0: That reminds me of the joke about two Christians who were waiting to hold the door for each other. That's it, nobody ever entered. <laughs> well, glad to see you all here this morning, glad uh, you, you uh, toughed it out and made the road. Uh, I could tell that everyone on this side uh, felt like it was too cold, and not everybody we got a few that, that made it and uh, fought the cold to be here. I'm glad you're all here safely. We are in this uh, sermon series entitled Ezekiel, God's Heart for the World. Today we're going to talk about a very difficult topic, judgment. Maybe some of you would prefer to stay home uh, for this conversation, uh, but Ezekiel 24, verses 15 through 17 Uh, shows us that we can't escape this conversation as the prophet lays it out for us, starting in verse 15. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, with one blow I am about to take away from you the delight of your eyes. Yet do not lament or weep or shed any tears groan quietly, do not mourn for the dead. Keep your turban fastened, your sandals on your feet, and do not cover the lower part of your face or eat the customary food of mourners. And so Ezekiel spoke to the people that morning, but in the evening his wife died. And the next morning, I did exactly what the Lord commanded. And when the people asked, won't you tell us what these things have to do with us? So I said to them, the word of the Lord came to me. Say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am about to desecrate my sanctuary The stronghold in which you take pride, the delight of your eyes, the object of your affection, the sons and daughters that you left behind will fall by the sword. And you will do as I have done. You will not cover the lower part of your face. You will not eat the customary food of mourners. You will keep your turbans on your head, the sandals on your feet. You will not mourn or weep, but will waste away because of your sins, and you'll groan within yourselves. Ezekiel will be assigned to you, and you will do just as he had said and done. When this happens, you will know that I am the sovereign Lord. And you, son of man, on the day I take away your stronghold, their joy and glory, the delight of their eyes, their heart's desire, their sons and their daughters as well, on that day, a fugitive will come to tell you the news. At that time, your mouth will be opened and you will speak with him and will no longer be silent. So you will be assigned to them and they will know that I am in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, gather, we gather in prayer and in unity asking that you will speak to us through your word, asking that your word will be a light to our feet, a guide for us. You open up our hearts. Help us to see the sin that we've entangled ourselves with. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want you to sit right there and think about what you did. How many has ever heard that? How many of you ever spoke that to your child or your grandchild? I want you to sit right there and I I want you to think about what you did. Now, if that's ever been said to you, have you ever actually reflected on the consequence Have you ever reflected on your poor choices? Anybody? Let's be honest. Uh, Luke did, but that's it. That's why he's such a good guy. Let's be honest. Most of us in this room didn't reflect on our actions, but we reflect about how mad we were that we got caught, right? We reflected on how angry we were that we got the consequence, We reflected on the consequence, not the action. We reflected on what we had to do, which was sit and be quiet, instead of on the sin. And as a parent, this is incredibly frustrating to me. I give my child a consequence, and they refuse to think about their actions. Usually, they're just really upset at Dad. And then we have to sit down and have a dialogue, right? When they come back and what did you do wrong and they can't think of one thing now we got to talk i picture this scenario when i read ezekiel 24. god sitting down and having a dialogue with his children now opponents of god would often use this text as an example of the arbitrary and uncaring nature of God. Why would you strike down a perfectly help, healthy and happy person? Why would you kill Ezekiel's wife just to make a point? Now before we jump into conclusions, we should be reminded that we know very little about Ezekiel's wife, right? Right? They don't even give her name. What's Ezekiel's wife's name? It's not in this passage. We don't know anything about her. We don't know that she was healthy. We don't know that she was happy. In fact, historians show that there was a lot of sickness and disease in this time in this day and age. She may have already been sick. But the opponents of God... Have tried to reflect on what? The consequence instead of the sin. This morning, I want to reflect on the judgment of God and what it means for you and for me and what it says about our God. So, this morning, if you want to follow along in your notes, write this first thing down. I want you to reflect. On the nature of God as God sits down and has this conversation with Israel that they might lose some of their children that they're definitely gonna lose the temple as he sits down and has this conversation we need to reflect on the nature of God in this instance today God is trying to communicate his sovereignty right you will know says the sovereign lord that i am god the israelites may think that they can control their own destiny they may think that they're strong enough they may think that with the temple and with jerusalem they are strong enough to overcome anything but ultimately they learn that god is is sovereign he is supreme he is the supreme authority and we must be obedient to god and god allowed the temple the delight of their eyes to be destroyed to be destroyed so that he can make himself known to them our human nature Counters with statements that question the sovereignty of God. And this goes back all the way to Genesis chapter 3. You'll remember that Adam and Eve were tempted to question the nature of God, the sovereignty of God. The serpent specifically said to Eve, God knows, God knows that if you eat of this fruit, what's he say? You will become like God, and your eyes will be open, and you'll know the difference between good and evil. And the serpent isn't wrong. When they eat of that fruit, their eyes were open. They did know the difference between good and evil. But what did they forget? In thinking that this is better, that I know what's better, that I can be like God, that I can, that I can, that I can. They failed to take, than they did. They took their eyes off of the sovereign God and made themselves sovereign. And we continue to have these dialogues with God all the time, even today, questioning the sovereignty of God. But God is Sovereign. The author of hebrews gives us a different way to reflect on the nature of god when the author of hebrews quotes the proverbs and then explains its meaning this is a long passage but it's worth it and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father that addresses his son My son, the proverb says, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those, the one he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as a son. And so the author of Hebrew goes on to explain that we should endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you like children, For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we had a human father who disciplined us, and as adults now, we respect them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought what was best. But God, he disciplines us for our good in order that we might share in his holiness. And no discipline, it seems pleasant at the time. It's painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Next time you go through hardship, I want you to take a moment to reflect on Hebrews chapter 12 and write it down if you need to. Remember, remember the nature of God, that he is treating you as his child and trying to train you up in holiness, peace, to be right and made right. With that in mind, we need to reflect on the purpose of discipline. We need to take a moment to reflect on the purpose of discipline. And and both of these are incredibly hard. As you think about the nature of God, we want to think, we naturally think, oh, he's being mean, he's being awful, he's being arbitrary. And same with purpose. Is there any purpose to all this that's going on? And the reality is, he's trying to make himself known to his wayward children. The last line in this passage reads, And they, the wayward children, they will know that I am the Lord. And we talked about this last week, right? God doesn't want second place in your life. God wants to be Number one, but the elders, they came to Ezekiel. We talked about this last week. The elders came to Ezekiel, and God revealed their hearts that they were far from him. The purpose of discipline is to bring his children back to the path that leads to abundant life. And therefore, God removed the temple, the delight of their eyes. He removed their church so that they could be drawn back to him. Did you hear that? He removed their church so they would no longer speak and say and believe and place all their trust and hope in this church, in this temple, so that they could place their hope and trust in God. Let that settle in your minds. And I've reflected on this a lot this week because I've seen some of the purest forms of worship I've ever seen in the subways of Kiev. Two days before missiles forced many in that city and suburbs to go underground, these Christians sung the song, Let My Prayers Flow. The sin, they sing of forgiveness, they sing of salvation, mercy, joy, peace, and they pray for the people of Ukraine. Let's watch a little clip of that song together. Let's stop there. Here they are, two days before missiles would force them underground, singing a song entitled, Let My Prayers Flow. It's a beautiful reminder that we don't need a building. We don't need a temple. What we need is God. What we need is a sovereign God so that we could worship God. The purpose of discipline is to get us back on track. And Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 17 says, whoever heeds the discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Allow Not only discipline to help us reflect on the nature of God, but allow discipline to get you back on track. And one more, one more reflection I've got to share with you. We need to reflect on our identity. So we're gonna reflect on the nature of God. We're gonna reflect on getting back on track and what that, that means for God. But we're also going to reflect on who we are. There are two layers to the marriage storyline here. The horizontal layer represents Israel as they have this deep love for the temple of God, they have this deep need for the temple. They find safety there, it's the delight of their eyes. And Ezekiel and his wife, it was very similar, right? And so Ezekiel felt what the people of Israel were feeling. And when he lost, that's what they felt as well. The vertical layer to the story is the deep love that God has for Israel. And just as Ezekiel lost his wife, just as the Israelites lost their temple, God had lost his bride, the church, Israel. And Ezekiel is getting to feel what God felt for Israel as they strayed away from him. God felt this deep level of grief for his beloved who ran to other gods who refused to keep him Number one. You see, our identity is reflected, as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, that the spirit you received does not make you a slave to God. No, that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by him by God we can cry out Abba father Paul uses this intimate term for father Abba it's almost equivalent to our term daddy we are children of God and Paul reminds us that through Jesus Christ we've been given this identity as sons of God Jesus Also, uses this metaphor when he says in Luke chapter 13 Jerusalem, Jerusalem you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you how I often long to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you're not willing you're not willing Think about how weird that would look. A chicken trying to bring its chicks under its wings, but the chicks are running off and saying, no, I I don't want to be protected by you. How weird would that look? We are children who are loved and protected by God. And as we reflect on discipline, as we reflect on the hardship that we are brought to bring us back to God, we should reflect on our identity as children. Now I want to share one more passage with you out of Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, what we're talking about right now. And we should walk in the way of love. But how so, you may ask? Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, God's love leads us to love one another. That's the kind of obedience that God is looking for, right? As we reflect we think about this sovereign God, who longs to bring us back and get us back on track, and it, what it looks like to get back on track seems to be love, loving one another, and loving God. And what does that love look like, folks? It looks like the sacrifice that Jesus made. On the cross As I invite Mary Ellen to the stage, she's going to be playing a song that also calls for reflection. As she plays, I invite you to one of the three tables that are around the, 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 the sanctuary here, it has cup and a, that has juice and bread. and these emblems represent the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, Mary Ellen is actually playing on the the violin a very scandalous song. You may not know that. The, The lyrics are incredibly graphic and scandalous. There is a fountain filled with blood, it says. And it's drawn, that blood is drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And we sinners, we plunge deep within the flood. But then we lose all our guilty stains. Folks, as we face discipline and judgment here on earth, we are reminded that it's so that we can escape eternal judgment because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His blood was shed so that our blood would not have to, and so that we can lose all those guilty stains. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful, so, so very thankful, that your blood has made us new, has made us white as snow before your eyes. I'm thankful for your discipline here on earth. Lord, we are reminded that you are sovereign. We are reminded that you want us to walk in your ways. We are reminded that we are your children. And I pray, Father, Lord, that we can reflect on that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.